Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. your host, Dr. Jimmy Kiss, the Master Key, on this Monday evening. Uh, well, we pray that your day was blessed, your day was awesome, your day was powerful. Uh, our ladies just came back from a uh, women's encounter, and uh, my wife was uh, real on fire. She, you know, called me and let me know what was going on and how the ladies was being blessed, and um uh, I'm really uh, grateful to the Lord that he has allowed uh, uh, the ladies to be able to go to this encounter and experience uh, God in a personal way. Uh, we are people that have been saved for uh, uh, one, one of our uh, mothers in our churches. Uh, uh, if I just finished speaking to our grandson and asked him how uh, long his mother been saved, mother, I think he said about 60 years, something like that. And uh, she had uh, made a statement to uh, uh, my wife that this how she had never experienced nothing like that uh, since she'd been saved. And so uh, I'm just grateful to the Lord that these ladies was, uh, was able to encounter the Lord in a in a real way. Encounters is not magical. It's not something that just takes place. It has everything to do with your heart. Uh, uh, how bad do you want it? And everybody experienced God in a different way. It always is contingent upon the condition of a man's heart. So you have to prepare yourself. Remember in the word of the Lord that God spoke to David and, and God told David uh, to seek his face. And David said, your face will, uh, I will seek. David had to prepare himself to seek the face of God. It's not you just jump into the spirit. You have to uh, set yourself a, a, aside set yourself apart, and then you begin to pursue the heart of the mind of the Father. So, um, and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing from uh, uh, my uh, middle girl. She did share a little bit with me what the Lord dealt with about. I'm looking forward to hearing from my oldest daughter, uh, Ebony, to hear what God spoke uh, uh, to her uh, as well from this uh, encounter. Uh, see, the encounter means nothing. If I don't allow what God did to continue, it got to be a continuation, and it must go beyond a church service. It must become a lifestyle uh, that um, uh, I experience and encounter on a daily basis, and you can. And that is the purpose of the uh, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must become a reality to all of us. Jesus, if I do not go away, I cannot send a comforter back to you, and he's going to take the place of Jesus. Uh, the Jesus that walked with the with the, uh, uh, the 
12 apostles in, in humanity during his day. Uh, he's with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. He wants to walk with us. And so we all, all of us, should be crying now to ask God to grace us to show us how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment uh, basis, uh, communing with him, uh, asking him questions, asking him what is the will of Jesus in this situation, what's the will of Jesus in that situation. Uh, uh, do not open your mouth until I hear what he says, then I speak what only what I hear him say. All of us need to develop that level and measure of intimacy with him. He is a helper. He is a comforter. He is a counselor. But we so depend on human beings, which reveals that you and I are still more than, when I say you and I, I'm putting myself in, in, in the equation. Uh, uh, when I, and that's when I say you and I, I'm also talking about the body of Christ globally. We've got to come to the place. Uh, even though everybody is not there, uh, 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 this does not fit all of us, but I'm just saying us as a people, us as a church. Well, to come to that place that uh, that we acknowledge him in all of our ways is no longer a scripture, but it's something that I actually do, I actually live out. Uh, think about it. He's God. He know more than your pastor. He know more than any apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher. He know more than your father, your mother, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, uncles, and aunts. He's God. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. And he wants to be all of that to all of us. So developing a relationship with him is not about church, and usually that's where people miss it at. They only develop a relationship with him for church services and not to live on a daily basis. So this must become a reality to us, ladies and gentlemen, that the Spirit of God. Even that's not what I'm, uh, I want to share with you today about the Holy Spirit, but, um, but we do need that. We do need to develop that level and measure of intimacy with him, and nothing else is going to work. Uh, absolutely nothing else in my life is going to work as a husband. Nothing's going to work as a father. Uh, nothing's going to work as a, a, a uh, preacher, businessman. Nothing is going to work without developing this level and measure of relationship and fellowship. I don't want to even use the word relationship because all of us is in relationship with him because we received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and He Jesus came into our life through the person of the Holy Spirit. But fellowship, uh, I, I got to ask God to grace me, teach me how uh, to acknowledge him and how to fellowship with the Spirit of God on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment uh, basis. And he wants that because that's his ministry. That's his job. That's what he's been sent uh, back here uh, to the earth uh, for, to be that, to take Jesus' place. And he wants to be uh, uh, as real, uh, and not as, but even more real uh, to us uh, uh, than our spouses, than our children, uh, than any human being on the face of the earth. He wants to be real. And ladies and gentlemen, then and only then will you and I be able to help anybody. Otherwise, I'll be helping people out of my own strength. I'll be helping people from my own power, my own everything. But I will not be able to help them, assist them uh, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only thing that's going to work when it's done through the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to bring glory to Jesus, honor and praise to him. 
And so he can receive glory out of my life as an individual. He can receive glory out of my uh, spouse's life, my children's life. Now my family, uh, Jesus can be glorified in my family's life because Jesus has a family that is submitted and yielded to the Holy Spirit, and he leads us and guides us and directs us into all truth and all reality. All right. Now let's move on to... Uh, I want to share, I started a uh, a message yesterday uh, on government, and I'm going to be uh, dealing with the different government of God. I, I'm always sh- many times sharing in that particular area and perspective on authority, on government, on order. Uh, I believe that's probably one of my commissions in the body of Christ is, is these kind of, I used to do a lot of teaching on, on these kinds of things in these areas. And, uh, uh, one of the reasons I want to do this, because I know uh, that all the promises of God is yes, and in him, amen. And I know uh, many people that's in relationship with me uh, uh, that I know of uh, have received many prophetic words, uh, and they, they believe in God for those words to come to pass, and God desired to bring those words to pass. Uh, uh, but a lot of us is misled from this particular perspective, because a lot of us look at it as it's automatic because God said it. Uh, everything that God says is not automatic. Now, there are certain things that is automatic when God speaks concerning history, uh, or not so much history, uh, when God speaks concerning our future uh, of the earth, certain things, certain things is going to take place uh, in the book of Revelation. There's certain things that's going to happen. Nobody can alter that. Nobody can stop it. There's certain things that is written in, 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 the, uh, in the whole counsel of the Word of God. It cannot be altered. It cannot be changed. Uh, when we begin to understand prophecy, uh, the majority of individual prophecies, uh, if not all, but the majority is conditional. Uh, uh, God says something that if you do this, I will do this. Usually that's how the majority of prophetic words go. Uh, 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 certain things uh, 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 is conditional. I'm, I'm trying to think of another word I want to use. But certain things is conditional uh, when it comes down to us individuals. So what happens with a lot of people in the history of pro- pro- prophetic words, excuse me, God gave them the word and they just, knowing that this word is going to come to pass and hoping it's going to come to pass, but they have not done their part. I just uh, 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 finished sitting down uh, with three young men uh, that got uh, uh, I got on the line just at the nick of time, uh, just finished with them for about two hours. And I, and, I, and I personally believe that when God used me this way to minister somebody for two hours in a counseling session, usually that counseling session is sort of like the final straw. Usually, that's the way, it, not all the time, but usually the final straw. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, God is not a man uh, that he should lie, nor the son of man that he have to repent. If God said a thing, he would do it. If he spoke it, he would bring it to pass. Now, but you play a role 
Now, I was, uh, uh, as I was winding down my session with these young men, uh, God had me to, uh, after yesterday's message, God dropped in my spirit. Uh, my subject yesterday was self-government. Uh, I'm going to be talking about self-government. Uh, then I'm going to move from self-government to uh, family government, uh, from family government to social government, church government, uh, or we say church or kingdom government, either one. So I'm going to go down uh, 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 the, the order of God. God is a God of divine order. And the first person that God established government with was a man named Adam, self-government. Before he gave him Eve, Adam had to live a disciplined life as unto the Lord. He had to uh, uh, prove to God. He didn't really have to prove to God, but he really did have to prove to God because that's how it worked. Before God takes you to the next level, he had to test you, test you on the first level. So he, government. So God trained him. God educated him. God taught Adam. Uh, God created a garden and put the man in uh, the Garden of Eden. And, and not realizing, many times we don't look at it this way, but the Garden of Eden was the uh, the headquarters of Adam's government, the headquarters. Every husband, every father, your headquarters, uh, headquarters is your home. The headquarters of your government is your home. Uh, uh, that's your governmental center. That's your sphere of execution. The President of the United States, uh, uh, when he was elected, he entered into the White House. We know the Oval Office is where he executes business. So uh, people elected our President based on his past record of self-government, family government, social government, what kind of man this man is. Uh, basically, that's how we usually choose people uh, in the areas of positions of authority, self-government. And uh, I'm going somewhere with this, if you will. And uh, after I ministered, ministered this message, I, I uh, uh, two of the men, young men was not in service on yesterday, so I called one of the young men, had him get a hold of the other guys, and meet me today. All three of these young men is young in the Lord, uh, not young in the Lord, but they're newly uh, young in marriage. And all three of the young men have uh, young children. And so we was, I was sharing some principles with them, and they was asking me questions about me. Ask me questions concerning uh, uh, disciplined children. See, everything is about order. Uh, God cannot entrust me to, with the next level until I learn how to govern the level that I'm on at this present time. That's vital that we understand that. And so if, if, if I cannot govern $100, I will not be able to govern 1000 uh, If I cannot govern myself, why would God entrust me with a wife? If I cannot govern uh, uh, rule and reign over my wife, why, did, why would he trust me with children? And when I say rule and reign, I'm not talking about a dictatorship here. I'm talking about when you think about government, you're talking about responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. 
It's not controlling anyone. Uh, God don't control you. He don't control me. Uh, it's about uh, uh, governing for him. Uh, when God uh, uh, created Adam in his image and his likeness, or humanity in his image and his likeness, excuse me, uh, uh, notice he created them in his image, excuse me, and in his likeness. My foundation of scripture uh, on yesterday was found in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and uh, uh, that you and I was bought with a price. So we cannot do what we want to do. If I've been bought with a price and I can't do what I want to do, then what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to do uh, and operate like the one that purchased me. I can't do what I want to do. I've been bought. I can't make decisions that I used to. I've been bought. But what's the heart of the mind of the one that bought me? I'm to govern according to the one that purchased me. So if I've been bought with a price, then I'm to govern for him. I'm to execute for him. So the question will be, when it comes down to self-government, am I disciplined? Am I disciplined in my eating habits? Am I disciplined in my weight? Am I disciplined in my attitude? Am I disciplined in my speech? Am I self-controlled? Self-government. Even though I told them that yesterday, I'm not want to really get into that because this is preparing me for the scripture I want to uh, share with you tonight, found in the book of James. Self-government. One of the problems with us, some of us has never uh, come to the place that we begin to govern ourselves for God. And what's first going to be frustrating when you try to govern your marriage and govern your family. And it's going to be difficult when I have never come to the place I'm, I was able to govern myself. Then what's going to happen, I'm not going to stay in this relationship on the next level because I'm going to get frustrated because I don't know how to govern it. And the reason I don't know how to govern it because I never had learned how to govern myself. Who have you submitted to that God placed in your life as a government, a governmental official in your life that you submitted to to qualify you to be a government over someone else or to govern someone else's life? This is usually how it works, ladies and gentlemen. This is usually how it works. Now, give an example. Give an example. If Adam was made in the image and the likeness of God, then think about image, like God, likeness, execute like God will execute. He will, he will not think contrary to God. When, it, when I say think contrary, the, the purpose of God, the will of God, the plan of God will not think contrary. Nothing is a coincidence. Nothing's a coincidence. Now, watch this right here. When I first got saved, uh, uh, I was been an athlete the majority of my life. 
I, uh, uh, the young lady that brought me to the Lord, uh, 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 didn't eat meat. Oh, no, 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 uh, didn't eat pork. Didn't eat pork uh, because she was a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, but they ate beef and they ate chicken and everything else. So one, uh, at one of the phase of uh, time in her relationship with God uh, and with us, she came off of meat. And uh, but she, you know, she just tried it, but she did eat meat. I came off of meat. I tried it, and my endurance exploded. But I don't believe it's a coincidence. And I've, I haven't gone back on meat since. That's over 30-some years now. Now, they went back on meat, but I liked the way I felt. I never went back on meat. Now, watch this right here. So, now, because I don't eat meat, that's how, when God put in my spirit, my heart, so I have governed my life based on that. I don't preach that. I don't teach that because basically everybody around me eat meat. And but I don't preach that. I don't teach that because that is not, uh, uh, that's a personal conviction. That is not a conviction of the Holy Spirit for the body of Christ. That's a personal conviction. I don't preach that. Now, uh, uh, I'm in tune with, I'm kind of health conscious. Now, my wife and my daughters eat uh chicken and uh, turkey. They don't eat beef. They don't eat pork. Now, where did that come from? That comes from the government of an individual. Now, my life has been shaped before I married my wife. When I married my wife, I brought my wife into an order or a government that God had established with me. As she Now, I don't eat turkey, I don't eat chicken, but she eats turkey and eats chicken. Now, if I'd have told her I don't want this family eating turkey and chicken, she would not eat turkey and chicken. And my daughters would have been raised up not eating turkey and chicken. But that, was, that wasn't what God told me to do. But I definitely didn't want them to eat pork for health reasons. Even though I know everything that you eat, you can bless it and it's sanctified. It's a personal conviction, ladies and gentlemen. Are you getting this? Personal conviction. So if it's a personal conviction and, and I'm, I'm, I'm health conscious, then then this is a natural order I'm talking about, that my family should be governed by the conviction of God upon my life. They should be governed by the conviction of God upon my life. Now, I don't drink. Uh, uh, one of the things that they didn't do to, uh, uh, they didn't drink colored uh, sodas. I don't drink sodas, period. And if I'm uh, out in a restaurant or something like that and I'm stuck, I may drink a ginger ale, a light-colored drink. I wouldn't, I, uh, I don't drink uh, any dark-colored uh, drinks. I drink a light-colored drink like ginger ale. Ginger ale is, is more natural because it's ginger, made from ginger. So once again, I'm health-conscious. Now, this is not for everybody, ladies and gentlemen, just talking about giving some, some principles about government, self-government, so, and how, how it works. It starts with an individual. Do you believe that was anything wrong with the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Was there any sin in that fruit? No. 
because God can't create sin. Can't create sin. So everything was created in after God. Kind. He created it was good. Now, so if God forbidden Adam to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he established a government in Adam. Adam was responsible for establishing the government in Eve. The devil ain't nothing wrong with eating that. Well, only thing wrong with it is because God said don't do it. No one sin in it. God said don't do it. So it's nothing wrong with personally, my belief. There's nothing wrong with pork. There's nothing wrong with beef. To me, from looking at the scripture, said if you bless it and sanctify it. Once it's blessed, it's sanctified. And nothing is to be withheld. That's what the scripture says. So therefore, uh, uh, I don't preach, don't eat pork. Because there's no way the scripture said don't eat pork uh, in the New Testament. Now, God didn't want the children of Israel to eat it, swine, and there's certain things he told them not to eat. So that was under the law. And so, but it was health reasons as well. So <clears throat> we don't get into those things. But we're talking about government. I personally believe there's certain things um, that God is trying to establish personal government with you. And when it comes down to health, some people, if they eat pork, they uh, they get high blood pressure. What they don't realize and understand, God is talking to them through the high blood pressure. He's trying to get them to live a life of discipline, bringing themselves under the government of God. So the Bible says you're bought with a price. You can't do what you want to do. So God speaks to us through our body. If our body is making some kind of, uh, uh, is getting out of balance by eating certain foods, God is talking to you through the food. And so, therefore, he's trying to get you to live a discipline and a life from subject to the Spirit of God. And some other people eat pork and nothing happened to them. God is not speaking to them. He's not talking to them. Government. Government. Now, are you disciplined in money? You can't do You're bought with a price. You can't do what you want to do. Now, I want to read this scripture to you. And this scripture came to my spirit uh, before we got on uh, with you this tonight out of the book of James. I want you to listen to this. Government. Everything works this way, ladies and gentlemen. Everything. Everybody believe, uh, want to be great men and women of God. And not understanding being great men and great women of God, do you understand what it means? Great men and women of God. Your greatness comes out of your, your relationship with God. Your greatness comes out of you submitting to God. Your greatness comes out of your surrender to God. So you obey God. And so God becomes great in you and becomes great through you because you don't live unto yourself. You live for God. This is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. Now listen to this, if you will. Listen to this. James chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. Starting at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers. Self-constituted censors, censors and reprovers of others. That's what teachers does. When you're teaching, you 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 you're reproving and you're censoring as you're teaching. 
whether you are conscious of that or not, that's exactly what you're doing as you're teaching. <clears throat> Excuse me. Think about it. When you're teaching, I don't care if it's government, if it's philosophy, if it's uh, 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 calculus, uh, whatever you're teaching, uh, you're reproving, re, reproving, reproving, you're censoring. You say, what do you mean by that? What you're doing, you're making, helping the individual that you're teaching to make adjustments in their thinking, in their mentality, their attitude, uh, or whatever. <clears throat> you're teaching, you're censoring, you're reproving. And what qualified, now notice what it says here, not many of you should become teachers, self-constituted censors and reprovers of others. Other words, what you're teaching, you have become. What you're teaching, you have become. So a teacher is a self-constituted censor and a reprover of others. Parents, when you when we're disciplining our children, we're teaching. We're self-constituted censors and reprovers. Why? Because you have you know how. You want your house. You know how you want the beds made up. My mother taught us how to make a bed, taught us how to clean. I didn't learn how to cook because I wasn't home that much because I was uh, in athletics. But all my other family members, they, they learn how to cook. <coughs> Excuse me. When a person is teaching you how to cook, they're censoring you. They're reproving you. You got these uh, cook television shows uh, now on uh, I, I forgot the name of the one. I've seen, a, 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 a seen it one or two times. I think it's Hale's Kitchen or something. That in fact, this guy from um, from Europe. Uh, he's supposed to be a master chef, and he come in and and, and help redo re a restaurant. So when I'm looking at that program, you're uh, telling people how horrible the food is or, or how good it is. How why are you telling somebody it's horrible? Because he is a master chef, he redecorate, uh, redesign restaurants, and and help people's restaurant become successful. He can't do that if he never had one that was successful. It's, he's not teaching them something that he himself is not. So a teacher is a self-constituted censor and reprover of others. So that's what parents are. I was sharing with these young men how. Uh, uh, our the home that we have uh, before we moved out of that home we left basically all of our furniture in that home we moved up we purchased all new furniture in the home that we're in at this present time uh, but that furniture uh, in our living room we had white furniture white furniture in our living room we raised three children three girls babies in that home Never got a stain on the white furniture. We had candy jars uh, 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 all over the house with mints and things in it. We never had any problem with our children going in the candy jar. And we raised babies up in our home. I was sharing some principles with them. 
when we went out to restaurants. We never had our children have tantrum tam- uh, in the restaurant. We never had that. I never, when we went to the grocery store, uh, they breaking out, running over the We never had that. In church, our children never jumped on the, on the chairs and running around it. We never had that. Even though we, and we, was not building, we had children's church, but even when we didn't have children's church, we never had that. Now, why is that? Because we uh, 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 discipline. When I said discipline, I didn't, I didn't say beat our children. We discipline them. And we set up a standard. And we executed the standard. And we trained our children in the standard. And they grew up in the standard. So at two and three years old, we didn't have them going into the candy dish. We didn't have them jumping up on the furniture. We, a lot of parents don't believe that children is that smart. They're smarter than what you think. So what we were doing, we as parents, we was teachers. We were self-constituted censors and reprovers of our children. And reproving had nothing to do with killing them. It was helping to shape a standard, shape an order internally in them. They know what they could touch. They know what they could not touch. They had fun. We as a family had fun. Did fun things. But there was an order. There was a structure. There's an order in heaven. There's a structure in heaven. If there's an order and a structure in heaven, and if man is made in the image and the likeness of God, then God is going to establish and create or train Adam in this order and this structure. And then he's going to place Adam in the Garden of Eden before he give him Eve. To manage, to bring order, to create a structure in his Garden of Eden before he gave him Eve. Order, structure, government. So Adam lived under the influence of the government of heaven, the government of God. Adam became self-governed. God trained him. God educated him. God tested him. God created a man in the image and the likeness of himself, a man of order, a man of government, a man of what? Order and a man of government, a man that was self-disciplined. God said you can eat out of all the trees, but just don't eat this one. He was disciplined. He was disciplined. So watch it right here, ladies and gentlemen. Think about it. The same thing with Adam, the same thing with us. Going back to food. He was disciplined. God said, you can eat of all the trees, just don't eat this one. God does the same thing with all of us. There's certain things that God tells you personally, he don't want you to eat. It's not that God don't want you to have it. God don't want you to uh, uh, not partake of it. God want to see with all of us, do you love me enough to obey me? Do you love me enough to obey me? Do you love me enough to sacrifice? And watch this right here. And most likely the thing that God is telling you he don't want you to have, 
most likely it's not good for you, but it may be good for somebody else. So we can't get it. Well, God, you let so-and-so uh, 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 eat bananas, and you won't let me eat bananas. Because he know you love bananas, but are you willing to sacrifice bananas for me to govern my body that I purchased on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago? Will you govern my body for me? Will you govern my mind for me? Will you govern them? How many of you are disciplined in your emotions? You're disciplined in your emotions. Or do your emotions dominate you, control you, you make decisions out of your emotions? Now think about it. If you are not disciplined and you're not governing your emotions and God gives you a spouse, what's going to happen? You're gonna, your emotions is going to be out of whack with your spouse. They're going to be out of whack with your children. So God wants to establish government in me as an individual before he give me a wife to govern the wife, to govern the marriage, to govern the children, or to govern the family. And then the church, then business, then society. And we'll be dealing with all of these uh, in the series that I'm getting ready to start. But notice what it says here. Very important. Not many of you should become uh, teachers, self-constituted censors, and reprovers of others. And what? And think about it, when you're teaching, you're reproving in what area? Anything that is contrary to what you are. Adam was to reprove everything that was contrary to what he had become that was contrary to what who God is. Adam was who God is. He was to bring Eve into who God, who he was, to who God is, or who God, who he, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my words all crossed up, who he was and who God is. And then it was to bring the children into who Eve became, which Adam was, which God was, or is. So now you've got a race of people in the image and the likeness of God, and they're self-governed. They're self-governed. And how God tested Adam, Adam had to test Eve, or God test both of them, really, and they would test the children to be self-disciplined, to be self-disciplined. So he always requires you and I to, and it's amazing how he set this thing up, just like Adam and Eve, the, uh, the tree of knowledge is good, and Eve don't touch this one. There's certain things he don't want you and I to touch. It's not a sin. It's just a sin to us, but it may not be a sin to somebody else. God speaks to you and say, okay, uh, for a month I don't want you to watch television. Is watching TV a sin? Absolutely not. But if you watch it in that much time, you just sin against God. He said, but nobody else is watching TV. But he didn't tell that to anyone else. He told that to you, self-government. If you're, you cannot govern yourself, God cannot trust you to govern anything else. This is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. But can you see how things has gotten out of whack? It's gotten out of whack. And that's why the Bible talks about, and I'll be bringing this out uh, in this series, if a man cannot take care of his own household, how can he take care of the household of God? Self-government. Because he cannot govern his family. You want to know why the average man uh, 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 cannot govern his family? Because he's not self-governed. It's a biblical principle. Not self-governed. 
and here you trying to uh, bring your children in order when you're not in order. You're trying to govern your children when you're not governed. You're not submitted to any government. This is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. My prayer to God that you are grasping and gleaming and make the adjustment. One thing I love about God, he loves us so much he, that he knows how to confront us and deal with us so we can make the adjustments. So we can make the adjustment. One of the uh, uh, gentlemen asked me he's about your children, about uh, uh, how you discipline them, and, 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 and especially when they're young. And I, I know what the Bible says, you discipline because the Bible said discipline them. And uh, uh, I discipline all of my children. Uh, I bring correction to them now, even my, uh, my oldest daughter, Ebony. Uh, and the, the discipline is not designed to embarrass her, make her feel good. It is designed, think about it, Jim, you're going to be disciplined by God until the day you die. It's love. You have the ability to see, I don't make her do anything. She's grown. I don't make her do anything. I share with her the heart and the mind of God. I share with her uh, 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 things that I see that is not in alignment uh, with the Lord or not in alignment with how she was raised. But she has to make the decision. That's how God deals with all of us. God don't make um, any of us do anything. He share with us. Uh, either we yield or we don't yield. We make the correction or we don't make the correction. So one of the uh, young men asked me about discipline. I said, well, this is how uh, I did it when, I was, uh, when my girls was younger. Uh, uh, Imani, she would be 16, her birthday, in a, uh, in a week or two. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, but I still will put the leather to the pleather. Uh, you, you, you still, you ain't, you ain't grown yet. But anyway, uh, I said this is what I used to do uh, when my children uh, disobeyed. Uh, they did something that uh, was contrary to the standards of the home, or the standards of the Word of God. I would sit down with them and ask them a question: uh, Do you believe that you was wrong in what you did? And they would say, "Yes, Dad, I believe I was wrong." Do you believe that you should be disciplined? Yes, Daddy, I believe I should be disciplined. And then I give them a choice sometimes of how, what kind of discipline you think should be executed. Sometimes they would say a spanking or sometimes a no television and uh, 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 something to that effect. And, uh, and I would do whatever the Spirit of God will have me to do. Uh, they would get the leather. Or they will be withheld from some things that uh, they love indulging in. And I told them, I said, there's times I would sit down before them and say, what you think that um, uh, should be executed? And they'll name one of the two. And then uh, the Spirit of God would speak to me and say, tell them that you, uh, I am extending mercy towards them. I said, you will not be disciplined. Uh, you would not uh, receive any kind of uh, discipline concerning this matter. I said, the Spirit of God just spoke to me that he's extending mercy towards you. So you uh, 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 would not receive any kind of repercussions because of certain thing. There's times that God has done that through me. Now, why would God do this? Uh, uh, first of all, he's, he would discipline through me. He would extend mercy to, to, through me. The goal, ladies and gentlemen, 
is for my children to get to know God. They needed to get to know God. So to see God, see God in the discipline and see God in his mercy because that's how God deals with all of us. Some of us deserve certain things, and God extend mercy and do not lay the hammer on us. So he want to be merciful. We receive mercy, so he want to extend that mercy through us. And our children need to see that. But one of the problems is that uh, when God extends mercy, people don't interpret it as mercy. They interpret it as they getting away with something. Or this is how God is. He's supposed to do this. Some people take that kind of attitude. And so mercy that was extended towards them did not benefit them in their relationship with God. All of this have everything to do with trying to help raise our children to be self-governed. I made a statement to uh, uh, my girls uh, I made I'll share something with uh, ecstasy, my my middle girl, uh, uh, a few weeks ago. And matter of fact, I just said something to my oldest girl uh, last week about this. Uh, 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 I made the statement. I can, you can always tell when a child that was raised up in a home had a rebellious attitude, mentality, or disposition. Now, your children can do everything that you tell them to do when they're in the home. You would think that they're obedient. That is not the measure of rule. The measure of rule and the measure of their maturity is revealed when they leave the home, when they get their own place. If you raise your children up that not to leave any dishes in the sink, but when they get their own place, they always they got dishes all always in the sink. What do that reveal? That they only did what they you they uh, uh, you asked them to do out of fear. They did it out of fear. They didn't do it out of love. And so what you told them to do, it never developed and shaped their character. And when they leave out of your presence, they do the very opposite you ask them to do. Because uh, what you told them to do, they didn't want to do it. They uh, 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 didn't have a submitted heart and spirit towards you. And so, therefore, the real deal is going to be seen when they leave your home. And so, therefore, uh, they never became self-governed. And so what you accomplish in life, they never will accomplish in life. If you came to the place you were self-governed and, and, and as out, out of your self-governed, God has graced you and blessed you because he can trust you because you're self-governed. And now you raise up a generation, your children, and they did what you asked them to do. But... uh, uh, uh it never developed and shaped their character, and they did the very opposite when they was out of your presence, out of your home, and established their own home. And what will happen, they're going to try to tell their children to do uh, what you told them to do, but they live in the very opposite, the way you live. 
This is how this thing works, ladies and gentlemen. This is how the blessings of the parents go from generation to generation. Because you never die, you still live when you're gone, but you're living through the uh, through your children. So this is how it works. So this is what the purpose of discipline is to help establish self-government in an individual's life. Uh, uh, when I was sitting down with these gentlemen, they were referring back to me because I always communicate about my relationship with my spiritual father. Uh, it's very seldom when I'm teaching or preaching that I don't go back to that because that relationship probably, uh, not probably, probably, uh, well, probably one of the most besides the young lady that God used to bring me to Christ, most important relationship I had in my life, I experienced the greatest level of pain uh, uh, that I ever experienced in that particular relationship because to become self-governed, there's things that have to be broken. There's things that have to be, uh, uh, what's the word, shaped. Character have to be shaped. Mindsets have to be altered. Uh, you can't think the way you think. It's painful to adjust your thinking. It's painful to adjust your belief system because you've got to stop believing one way that you've been thinking is right all your life and now start thinking a different way. So, it's painful making adjustments because it's an, eternal, um, an internal adjustment that has been made. So you have to be in relationship with someone, submitted to someone, trust someone, yielded to someone that you know God called you to, and obey them. And that's another thing I was sharing with them, how self-government is developed. And they was asking me, how did you, did you just love God uh, 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 like that? I mean, when you first came here, did you, did you, under that, but did you just, did you, just you know, just start, just love him and, and just start doing all of this? I said uh, to them, I said, now, maybe because I played sports, it prepared me for Dr. Brown. Uh, I trusted my coaches. I was very good in, in sports. I trusted my coaches. I believe they knew they knew more about the game than I did. I had talent, I had a gift, but they understood the game greater than me. So they asked me to do something, I just did it. And 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 because they was my authority. So even though my father was an alcoholic, but sports I believe helped develop a certain mindset, a certain discipline. And so when I met my mentor, Dr. Brown, a uh, mentor of spiritual father, uh, uh, when God connected us, uh, it, it was difficult in making the adjustment, difficult submitting to authority, uh, uh, difficult because I was used to being my own man and not raised uh, 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 with my father in my life, but I was raised with coaching because coaching, I submitted to that because I saw how it was going to benefit me, uh, make me a good player. But when it comes down to the kingdom of God, submitting to your man of God, your father, many times you can't see how this is benefiting you. Sports, I saw it's benefiting me. I saw how I can go to the next level in sports. But as him being my spiritual father, and I wasn't raised up in church, I didn't see how this was benefiting me, uh, the corrections, the rebukes. And, uh, I mean, he didn't let me get away with nothing. And, uh, but what kept me in there, I shared with them, was 
my relationship with God, I knew God called me to the relationship. And uh, to disobey the man was to disobey God. God assigned this government to my life. And I told him he was a pattern. I mean, he, I lived in his house. So uh, he was a pattern. So it wasn't that difficult. I shared with them that, uh, and some of you may say, man, that's crazy. Uh, uh, since I played sports, there was no television. He didn't allow me to watch television. So I only watch television on Saturdays uh, and only a game or two. He was the man that got assigned. So I didn't look at it. He did not want me to watch television. I looked at God didn't want me to watch television. But what was all that about? Discipline. Become self-governed. That TV didn't control me. Sports didn't control me. So all of this, a lot of people don't understand. It was preparing me for something bigger and greater. I didn't know that. In the natural, it didn't make any sense. What was harm for me watching some games? What, 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 what was that going to do? I could have took that agitated mentality. I just submitted. I saw it coming from God. Well, God didn't want me to watch television. Okay, no problem. So I lived in my word. I lived in the Bible. One of you gentlemen said, you know, sometimes it's life it's difficult. You know, when I leave out of your office here, I'm going to be meeting the world. I'm going to become head on the world. I listened to him. I said, I'm going to be meeting the world. I'm going to be going out in the same world you get ready to go out into. But the world is not going to dominate me nor control me. I got dominion over the world. I said, that's the way you have to think because you really do. But you need to learn how to command the world to submit to you and not you submitting to the world. See, and then he was, he was saying, uh, and the other one said, you see, uh, I, I'm telling him I had to get ready for this broadcast. He said, see how you see that? How you just said you got to get ready for the broadcast? See, when I leave out here, I'm thinking about the game tonight. And you ain't said nothing about the game tonight. I said, yeah, because the broadcast is my assignment. And that is more important to me than the game. Whoever win the game tonight, somebody going home, but I'm still going to have to do this broadcast next week and tomorrow. The game won't be over. You have to renew the spirit of your mind. And I shared with them how, uh, how it prepares you, the television thing. And I reminded them, I shared with the principal, when God raised me up and began to release me as an evangelist, I really wasn't an evangelist, but began to open up doors for me to begin to minister. I remember I was in New Jersey. I was doing a revival in New Jersey. And that was during the heydays of the, the Lakers and the Celtics. Used to battle out almost every year. Those were some of the best games back then. And the pastor, church I was preaching at, I was living in his home at the time, uh, at, uh, during the meeting. And he had taped, uh, uh, it was the finals, he had taped it. I forgot which game it was. Uh, the third, second, third, or fourth, I don't forget which one it was. And, uh, but we was excited. Uh, the meeting was over. We were going home, talking about the game, sat down, and we was watching. He, he put the, uh, the VHS in uh, and, and, and turned the game on and started playing the game that he had recorded. Within five, ten minutes into the game, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I want you to go upstairs and, and come before me. This is the playoffs. I spoke to the parents. I said, listen, I'm going to go see I feel I'm a little tired, and, um, and which I really was. I had just finished preaching, and back then I used to do a lot of ministry for his prophesying and laying hands on the people. 
and use almost the whole church back then and back in that day. And uh, I thought I'm gonna go say, man, you know, watch the game. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let me know who won uh, uh, tomorrow in the morning. Went upstairs and and I went before the Lord. Self discipline, self discipline. So all of this is designed to prepare you for your relationship with God. That's what people don't understand. And a lot of people, what I'm sharing right now, don't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Don't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And so it said, uh, it don't take all of that. God ain't like that. You know why they say it? Because they don't know God. They don't know God. And they have never submitted themselves to nobody that knows God to lead them into a relationship with God. Because we think it's just about reading the Bible. We think it's about reading the Bible and praying all day long. And one of the things I've been saying to our congregation for the last several years, the, 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 when you look at the first century church that had no Bible, operated in a greater level of authority and power in the earth realm than, the, than every church put together on the face of the earth today. We got, more, we got access to more translation, more Bibles, more sermons, more books, more dictionaries, encyclopedias, more Greek, Hebrew. We got ex- ex- exposure to everything you want to name upon the face of the earth when there's less power. That is being made manifest in the earth realm today in the church. We are more weaker today and got more knowledge and access to more knowledge than the church back in the first century church to which they didn't have a Bible, didn't carry a Bible. But they knew Jesus in a greater way than we, we do today. My goodness, I had no clue that my time was almost up. And I didn't even finish this, this scripture here. But self-government. So not many of you should become self-constituted teachers. Everybody want to be a leader. And that has been a problem in the church. Now, notice what qualifies for leaders today is how much scriptures we know, our gifting. We'll, we, we'll, we raise people up based on their ability to preach and to teach and to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Not a person because they're self-governed. Not because they're self-governed. And that's why the church is in the mess today. We got... Uh, people that is great preachers, great teachers, great in the gifts of the Spirit, but they're not self-governed. They have no standards for themselves. I'm not talking about missing God. Everybody's missed God. I'm talking about a life, what has become a lifestyle for us. Sin is a lifestyle, but everybody believes we're spiritual because of our gifts and our talents and our ability to teach. We've got some of the greatest teachers and preachers for as knowledge-wise in our day and time in the history of the church. But there's no self-government. No self-government. We can't take anything. Easily offended. Easily offended. But we are apostles. We are prophets. We are evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Let me finish the scripture. Here. Not many of you should become teachers, self-constituted censors, and reprovers of others. My brethren, for you know that we teachers, for you know that we teachers, for you know that we teachers will be judged by a higher standard. We will be judged by a higher standard and with greater severity than other people. Thus, we assume the greater accountability and the more condemnation. That's another thing. This word accountability is like a curse word to the majority of people in the body of Christ today because they look at accountability as Somebody controlling my life. Somebody controlling my life. Ain't nobody going to control my life. That's how people look at accountability. And so the devil has used something that is positive and put, made it a curse word 
accountability. No one to know why? People don't want to be accountable because they're not self-governed. When you have become a self-governed person, you have absolutely no problem being accountable to somebody else. No problem. Because it's impossible for you to become self-governed without being accountable to somebody else. You have submitted to somebody. You have obeyed somebody. That's how you became self-governed. So it's no big deal for you to be transparent with somebody or to be accountable to somebody. Now you qualify to help somebody else to become self-governed. You now qualify because you have been led in the way of self-government. Now you can lead somebody else to become a man and a woman that is self-governed. And another definition, another word for self-government is nothing but discipline. You become a person of discipline. Nothing controls you. Your appetite don't control you. Your appetite for food don't control you. Your appetite for TV don't control you. Your appetite for anything else don't control you. You are the controlling factor. You control for God. You dominate for God because you have been bought with a price. And you know without a doubt you are not your own. And you can't do what you want to do because I've been bought. I govern for God. I can't think what I want to think. I can't allow thoughts to run rampant in my mind because my mind don't belong to me. My mind has been purchased and has been bought with a price. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host today, Dr. E. J. McKenzie with the Master Key. We pray that you got something from the Lord today that has been a blessing to you, that you can make some adjustments in your thinking. If we have any leaders on the line, you can make an adjustment in your thinking as a leader. If any husbands, you can make adjustments in your thinking as a husband, as a father. Any mothers or wives, you can make adjustments. And, and see why there's been such uh, chaos in your marriage because somebody is not self-governed. Somebody was the, did not allow somebody else to raise them up to become self-governed, and as you come into this marriage, self-governed. Are you getting this? We love you guys. Thank God for you to the highest. Appreciate you. Look forward to being with you on tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Call your family and friends to come join us with the master key at 6 p.m. tomorrow. May the rest of your evening be blessed, restful, peaceful, and self-governed. God bless you. Love and appreciate you. Until tomorrow, this has been your host once again, Dr. Jimmy Kids with the master key. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.